Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm Bick, Ben running the show, Dom on his way here. We'll be here imminently, working hard. Uh, if you want to be part of the show, as always, you can chime in 650-650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in our inbox. In Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver, online at DunbarLumber.com. We will connect with uh, our Tuesday guy, Yannick Hansen, in just a moment. He is brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, Magnuson Ford, and Abbotsford. On both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Busy couple of days for the Vancouver Canucks. Making some additions over the weekend, which we talked about yesterday. Uh, and also on Saturday as well. But let's uh, get Yannick Hansen's impressions as he joins us now. Longtime NHLer, former Vancouver Canuck. Yannick, how's it going? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Uh, fantastic. Uh, so now we've been waiting to see what the changes might be in the offseason. Uh, the Canucks making uh, several additions over the weekend. Your initial uh, impressions of what they did uh, on July 1st? Yeah, they were they were obviously looking for two defensemen and a, and a center. They got it. I really like the two defensemen. Um, again, they're, they're filling a need. Um, how to perform, we'll have to wait. Um, they needed a third-line center. Um I don't think the third line center was out there that you were probably looking for. Um, so, so you went with with uh, Bluger. Um, again, he's not right-handed. I would have preferred that. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't a lot of right-handed center available, so maybe you needed to, I don't know, trade for one or something. But there weren't really one that stood out. What that's the guy. Obviously, you can go at the top of the board in, in JT Connor, but they were never going to be in that uh, conversation. Um, and, and I don't know if he was the right guy either. Um, so, so again, they, they filled the holes um, uh, to some extent. Um, and now again, now it's up to the, the coaching staff and the players to uh, to prove that they can uh, make a difference. Let's uh, start on the defense. Uh, you mentioned that you like the, the, the two acquisitions. Is it more about just like the, the players themselves or is it about the stylistic fit of how it fits with the team? It's a combination. First of all, you're not committing very long. Mm-hmm. Even Susie, three years, he'll be, what, 31 uh, by the time that deal is won. Uh, very, very manageable. The numbers are low. They, they aren't handcuffing you. Um, they're proven players that can pro- that can play. They're not players you are bringing in that have put up 40, 50, 60 points in the past on massive deals and expecting them to to punch way above their weight. No, if they come in, they uh, shore up the penalty kill, play physical, make them a little harder to play against, um, then they've done their job. Um, we have the offensive guys on the back end that, that needs to produce. Um, it'll be up to, to, to Quinn Hughes and Horonic to, to, to carry that load. There's no question about that. Um, we've talked about there's not enough puck to go around anyways. Um, so if you're talking about, oh, you're losing an OEL who's supposed to be this really offensively gifted defenseman, um, 
there aren't enough minutes to those guys to go around. So you needed somebody who could play the defensive side, somebody who can play with the two players we just mentioned and not wanting the puck, having to carry the puck. That's okay with just staying back, just defending, go D to D every time you get it and let somebody else um, dictate the play. Um, so, so again, the criteria for these guys to succeed are, are a lot easier in the sense of what we're expecting of them, what they need to come and do. They need to come in. They need to be physical. They need to have a good first pass. They need to help the, the penalty kill. They do that, and these signings will, will turn out great for Vancouver. From where we were last year, and, and, and this is something that you talked about a lot, saying it on these airwaves for for past 14, 16 months, that you need to see the defense change. The defense has to change. And so now OEL goes out by way of buyout. You know, Hronik is kind of a new addition. We're going to see him on, on day one relative to what we saw day day one last year. So it's three primary changes, right? Hronik, Susie, Ian Cole, Myers and Quinn are the two that stay. It, it, it feels like maybe one more addition would be nice. They made the Matt Irwin uh, signing, but maybe just one more to just kind of round out the depth. Um, yeah, but that, again, that that's further down. That that mm-hmm. third pairing seventh defenseman. So truth be told, I don't care. Sure, it, it will it will work out. It, those guys, um, you just need to find um, these guys. It's more important. You look for the character here. You, you need somebody who who comes in, works hard, uh, doesn't doesn't piss and moan over not being in the lineup, uh, works hard in practice, great teammate. Um, and then if they get in 10 games, great. If they get in 40 games, well, then obviously running into injury issues. But, but again, you just need to be somebody who um, elevates the battle level in practice. I've played with a ton of these guys, um, Andrew Alberts, Aaron Rome, uh, Rob Davison, a bunch of these guys that are that seventh defenseman, but they work so hard in practice that they, they, they raise that uh, compete level in practice because they're trying to keep themselves ready. So it has to be uh, a different kind of personality you bring in for this role, one that's okay with not playing, but but comes and brings it every time in practice. And then again, they obviously need to be great in the room as well. Um, so a couple of different things you're looking for there. Um, in terms of changing the actual six defensemen that are playing, uh, you probably have to wait till next year until Myers' deal runs out because um, now all of a sudden you, you clear up six million and then that should just go right back into a defenseman, a hopefully a number three defenseman. Um, so you have... In a perfect world, Quinn Hughes, num- number one. Heronic will be a two or a three. Hopefully he develops into that and proves that he can carry that. And then that third guy that, that the money from Myers is going to clear up. Then you have Susie. Now all of a sudden you have four defensemen that are locked up at a decent price for a, a certain amount of time. And you can worry about your, your bottom pairing all of a sudden. Um, so again, it, it is a work in progress, and you mentioned the change from last year's starting lineup until, well, now it's only Quinn that's left. Obviously, Tyler Myers is, is, is here as well, but he wasn't playing. So so it is a significant change on the back end, and granted, all these guys come in healthy, but they're, uh, they're miles ahead of where they were last year when, when the puck was dropped uh, for game one. Now, as we discuss that change, is this more viably competitive to what it looks like in the Western Conference, too? Like, that's the point. It's all really good to change it, but are you are you actually making change that makes you competitive? You're definitely looking better than you were last year in that sense. 
are are you are you at the top of the Western Conference pecking order? No, um, but you're probably creeping up towards the middle. Where last year we were at the bottom. Um, so that being said, you've taken a couple of significant steps in the right direction here. Granted, they're healthy. Granted, they play as we know and and think they can. Um, so, so you've taken steps in the right direction. Like I said, there there's still a question mark on on Tyler Myers. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know if he can elevate his game now that maybe he gets put in a proper position, if you will, not seeing a top opposition every single shift and stuff like that. Sometimes when guys get bumped down the the, the totem pole a little bit and you play weaker opposition, you shine a little bit more. Um, so again, there there is that as well. Um, but but pegging them at the top of the the order right now, no, they're they're still behind. Uh, uh, you start mentioning Calgary, we start mentioning Colorado and Vegas, of course. Like, like there's still ways behind these teams in terms of defensive uh, abilities and, and how those teams are structured. Um, but again, you're not going to fix this overnight, which is what they almost did here. Uh, through free agency and right before it is a work in progress and it was steps in the right direction you mentioned Myers's role and you know the, the thing that I've seen a lot from from listeners and fans that are texting in is okay how are the minutes going to get allocated because I feel like there's still one more player that they could add whether it's Myers going out and they bring in a player just the salary wise makes sense but you mentioned you know Susie can play a four role and, and, and on and on like how would you like to see the minutes get allocated and what does it mean for Tyler Myers and where he's primarily going to get uh, his minutes spent well in a, in a perfect world you you have your, your top top defenseman playing uh 23 24 minutes um then the, the next pairing play those 18 17 and then then your third pairing hovers around 12 13 minutes um if you can get quality out of your bottom pairing it's a lot easier the, the key here is is the specialty teams because that's where you can really even out the ice times so if you can can keep uh, Heronic. I, I don't know him that well, but I don't know if he's a penalty killer. But but let's say he's a more gifted offensive puck mover defenseman, and he doesn't play the the penalty kill, and Quinn Hughes doesn't play the penalty kill. Then you can really start loading up the other four defensemen on, in these roles, and then yeah, if they take a penalty, the other guy swaps in, or you get the tail end of the penalty kill kind of thing. Um, now you're you're really evening out the the minutes, and, and then you can load them up on a power play and five on five. You can be a little bit more picky here. Okay, it's an offensive zone draw. Let's get Quinn out. It's a defensive zone draw. Let's get the other guys out, um, and, and then pick and choose like that. And because you're not forced to play Quinn Hughes first PP and first PK, his minutes will come down a little bit. Um, and again, you're even them out long season. You don't get the wear and tear. I know he's still young, so there shouldn't be any issues yet. Um, but it, it's not it's not reasonable to expect a guy to play um, high 20, 27, 28 minutes, pushing into 30 when we're hitting overtime on any given night through 82 games. Like it, it's asking for trouble. Uh, I, I, as far as Teddy Bluger goes, uh, you mentioned he's not necessarily picking off the top of the pile, but they get someone that they're very familiar with. And Patrick Alvin has mentioned there's probably more offense in him. Now he's put up you know 20 plus uh, seasons, but he struggled this past year uh, with only four goals. Now suddenly, you know Connor Garland looks like there's a lot more viability of him on that third line because you need someone to generate offense if it's with Bluger and Garland. 
Yeah, again, he Connor Garland again is is in a perfect world a middle winger who will drive possession. Um, he he's getting paid a little bit more than what he's producing, um, but but he definitely has some intangibles. Um, so it would be nice to see him getting going. Um, and, and again, adding a a bona fide center um, in the sense that that this is not a 40% centerman um, that just you, you're you're picking and hoping will turn into something. No, he actually have been taking face-offs in the past couple of years and at a decent rate and winning some as well. Um, the, the only knock um, when looking at the black and white on the paper and stats on him is, is that he's a righty, in my opinion. Um, again, the type of player he is and what he, he provides, I, I can't speak to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate judging guys just from what other people say and they know him and his production here and there. He's coming into a new situation, a new team. Um, so again, it'll take uh, 15, 20 games to get a sense of, of what you have in him. Uh, maybe even a little bit longer. Like I said, the only knock is that when it is uh, a penalty-killing face-off on, in Vancouver's end, you, you're going to take a draw on your offside every single time. Mm-hmm. And if I say 60, might even be 70% of these face-offs are going to be losses um, when, when you do that. And that's the, that, that's the scary part of it. Again, you can still add a, a fourth-line right-handed center, I'm, I'm sure, if, if you go out and find one. Um, but again, finding one that you can trust and, and know will uh, just come out even, uh, I could live with that, is going to be very hard to come by. Um, so, so they will be at a little bit of a disadvantage when the pucks get dropped because of the fact you get to dictate where you want the puck dropped and all these things. Well, I, I like what you said earlier about the defense, too, of, of guys coming in and, and a mentality change. And I'm trying to think back, you know, uh, before Manny came in, it would have been uh, like third-line center would have been Kyle Wellwood or something like that, right? And so the mentality no, change... No, we, we had Ryan Johnson. Sure, yeah, as, as a primary a penalty killer, center. yeah. We had a fourth-line center that, that, that took those roles mm-hmm. um, and, and killed the penalties. Um so, so we still had that, um, but but like I said, it was with, with Manny, it was it was black and white, right side Kess, left right. side Manny, and, and there was no quite. We didn't even have, need to look back at AV. We just jumped because we knew he was going. No different than the offensive zone draw. If Manny, myself, and Rafi were on the ice and we got the puck in the offensive zone, we were coming off. We weren't even looking to see if we got to stay because we know somebody else is coming out there. Um, and that's where you know your role. You take a little bit more pride in it. Um, so, so it would be nice to, again, role players have died out a little bit in the sense that, that you have four lines that plays now, um, but there are still players that excel in, in certain situations and, and should be given opportunity to do that. Um, and again, it does lighten the load. If you throw out a, um, a PD or a JT Miller who might be, your best centers in terms of face-off uh, percentage next year um, for defensive zone draws. Not only do they have to fight that draw, they also have to move the puck 200 feet before they can even start thinking about offense. Um, and that's tiring. So so it's nice if you can share that load a little bit. Yeah, because you made the point a lot too. Like it's all well and good to have you know PD, Miller, Horvat as as they've had in the past, but figuring out those minutes and, and the roles is is the challenging part. It always is, um, but at least now it's not like you have somebody who might be sour over not getting the minutes they need. Um, now that the hierarchy is a little more black and white, like like nobody is, is questioning your number one and number two centers in Vancouver anymore. 
Uh, it is who it is. The only thing we'll, we'll, we'll have to, to come to is, is who's going to play with who here now uh, on the wings, if you will. Um, and it's, it's the same thing on the D side. When OEL walked into the dressing room, there maybe was a little bit, okay, is he, is he better than Quinn still? He, he wasn't, but, but we didn't really know. And he's a player who had been in Norris Trophy conversation and all these things, um, where now the hierarchy is, is set and it, it gives – it gives a little bit more stability and comfortability in the dressing room, if you will. Talking to Yannick Hansen, as we do every Tuesday here. Uh, so, you know, last summer we talked about, you know, next steps that they had to do and there weren't enough, and, and you were very vocal about that, you know, changing the defense. Now that you look at what's happened here, what's the next step that you want to see as this team continues to improve? Well, you're kind of you're, you're maxed out now. So, like I said, the, the next thing you can improve on is uh, – it's next off season. Obviously, that's a long way to wait for, for for changes. What you're hoping for now is is the year of maturity. We still had a lot of young kids, uh, guys, um, Pod Colson, uh, Kratzov, uh, Höglander, a couple of young defensemen as well that you don't really know where, where it's going to fall. You're hoping that the top end of your lineup will, will show up the same way. P.D. Miller, uh, Quinn, um, these players, Demko, that they show up and, and carry the load. What will push this team in one direction or the others are whether enough are any of these young guys going to be able to take one or two steps forward in their development and push this team? Um, will the team, the middle six forwards that we have an abundance of, Garland, um, Besser, Mikheyev, uh Kuzminko, where, where, where will they land this year? Will they keep pushing? Will they find uh, uh, how they played a couple of years ago in Besser's uh, situation? Like That's the question right now. And again, there's not really any changes here you were mating, we're waiting for. We're just waiting to see how these players play out, um, how they perform, uh, what kind of shape they show up in. Um, commitment and all these things. So the, the the heavy lifting in terms of of constructing your roster, I'd say it's pretty much done, barring a a big trade. Uh, you have the guys you have now. It's up to, like I said, coaching staff and players now to to dictate who plays where and, and how much is given to who. Did you see much improvement in the Western Conference? Uh, Nashville obviously spent a bunch. Anaheim spends a bunch, but I, I I'm just looking at this and it feels like where, where Calgary is, where Winnipeg is, Minnesota has that issue with the, with the dead cap, with the buyouts. Does it feel like they're finally in a spot where it's like, okay, now we're amongst the, that, you know, six to nine range and actually competing. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Nashville took a step back uh, to be honest. Uh, uh, I'm still, I'm still worried about Vancouver in the sense that uh, Edmonton, Vegas, LA, I can't see them beating them in over over 82 games, which means now you're you're already in a uh, let's say in a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Calgary, unless they unload, still looks very good to me. I, I really like their defensive uh, uh, players, the D's and Marky, if he can show up again. Um, so so again, I, I thought they were they were maybe a one-off again a lot can can happen and they could start selling out of all those players who wants out but but it's um it's an uphill battle just based on those four teams i just mentioned there and that's not even talking about the the other conference or the other division yet um 
Anaheim is still probably a couple of years away from from competing. Uh, San Jose is is a tire fire in all sense and purposes. The same with with Phoenix. Um, but but it is like the, the the top of the Pacific Division is very strong. Like, like even looking right now, it looks like it, Vegas and 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 Edmonton could be favorites to to win it again. Uh, kind of whoever go, comes out of that one is going to win it, and Vancouver will have to go through that. Um, kind of don't end up in the wildcard spot and crosses over and all these things, but it's a lot of if and if and ifs. Um, so again, the, the puck is round. You do have to play the ice is slippery and all these things, but um, they, they are behind uh, three, potentially four of their division rivals, which is, is tough um, uh, when you start from that scratch. Uh, it's also development camp this week. Uh you know, the, the process from becoming a prospect to a pro, uh, you know, the camp this week can only do so much. It's about, you know, the, the touch point and, and, and creating that atmosphere throughout the course of the season and being in constant communication with the, the club. Uh, how much did you feel like the after the draft and, and how involved the team was, how much that helped you in your own development? Yeah, I wasn't a whole lot involved. I was on the other side of the world, mm-hmm. uh, living in a different world, if you will. These development camps is all about getting them accustomed and used to the city, the staff, uh, meeting everybody. So when you come here in in September for camp, you hopefully know the names of the equipment guys, know the names of the medical staff. Um, You know the coaches that are going to be on the ice with you, have a little bit of familiarity with them. So you're not worried or nervous of having to step on the ice with the coaching staff um, and you can just kind of play. Um, so it is more so of just getting to know everybody and, and also the other players that are just getting drafted or drafted the year before. Most of these guys are most likely going to be your teammate uh, either even this year or, or down the road. So it's it's nice to kind of get to know everybody. And again, you pull everybody aside for a week like that. There's a lot of hours in, in the hotels. You play some cards and go to dinners and, and you start getting getting familiar with everybody, which makes it that much easier when uh, camp rolls around or, or a call up or whatever it might be. You have some familiarities with the, the other players. Uh, Yannick, uh, we appreciate us. Actually, uh, sorry, before we let you go, uh, we're, uh, we're going to talk to uh, Kyle Burrows uh, in a couple of minutes here. Uh, he's moving on to San Jose. Uh, you went to San Jose. Uh, any recommendations of things he should know uh, getting used to the city? Uh, he needs to Santana Road, but I'm assuming he knows that uh, that is where everybody goes in. Uh, in San Jose, um, no, it, it's like it's a fantastic place down there. Again, he, his situation is obviously different than mine. Uh, I came into a to a contending team, and his is at the other end. But but the guys around the team down there is amazing guys as well. They take such good care of of their players. Um, so it's uh, it, it's a treat to come to that organization as well. I know Doug. Uh, Doug Wilson is not there anymore, but but I can still see that when we play them, it's the same guys that are around the the bench, behind the bench, if you will, taking care of the players. So he's in he's in good hands. Uh, Yannick, appreciate it as always. Uh, talk soon. Okay, take care. That's Yannick Hansen, brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides. Of the Fraser to serve you. Yeah, Kyle Burrows, a former Vancouver Canucks defenseman, will join us here uh, in about five, seven minutes here on The People Show uh, discussing his move uh, to San Jose and the great opportunity he is getting there. A lot of good stuff there from Yannick. Uh, and, and the D, 
minute allotment is what's going to be really interesting to me because obviously there's such a demand here uh, for from fans. So we see it all the time. It's like JT Miller's playing too many minutes. Quinn Hughes is playing too many minutes. Elias Patterson is playing too many minutes. Well, how does this set up right now? Uh, is Quinn going to dip you know, more often to uh, 23, 22 minutes a night? Or are we going to see 26, 27 uh, more often than not from number 43? Because right now, the way it's shaping up, you know, Tyler Myers couldn't certainly play PK minutes on your second pairing. I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of complaints to see that. Uh, but that sixth rule, is that person going to be relegated to you know 12 minutes a night, 11 minutes a night, primarily five on five, and then the rest of the minutes get juiced up? It, the handling of that is going to be really interesting. And that's why you know maybe one more depth piece to get some more regular minutes all across uh, might be something that they play out. Uh, but keep coming in with your thoughts, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We will talk to Kyle Burrows on the other side. San Jose Sharks defenseman. All on the way here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Second half of the People's Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Dick Nazar. Now joining us is uh, Dom, after a uh, busy day over at DevCamp. Ben running the show as well. And you, as always, interacting with the show, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Lots of love coming into the inbox already for Kyle Burrows. A lot of fans uh, wanting to uh, wish well to the former Vancouver Canuck, which we will connect uh, to in just a moment. Uh, Actually, I believe he's on the line now. Uh, Joining us, uh, one of the newest members of the San Jose Sharks, uh, defenseman Kyle Burrows and a former Vancouver Canuck. Kyle, how are you? Let's uh, let's hang on to that in just a second here. Uh, a little bit of a technical glitch. We will uh, reconvene. There we go. Now we got it. Kyle, how are? Hey, how are we doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. I'm trying to beat the heat a little bit here. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mentioned off the top of the show that you're going to join us today, and it's been a non nonstop stream of uh, fans uh, expressing their gratitude uh, to you oh. and, and and wanting to share that. We can't read all the names, but uh, it's plenty coming in the inbox uh, so far uh, today. Oh. So, uh, how was the weekend, and uh, where were you when the when the news came across for you? Uh, the weekend was great. Obviously, you know it's uh, it's nice to be employed again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I was actually down in uh, uh, Charleston, uh, South Carolina, with one of my uh, childhood uh, best buddies, uh, D partner growing up. I was visiting him down there, and uh, he's a Langley boy that uh, he met a girl down there, and so he thought, hey, we may as well go enjoy the weekend and get away a little bit. So it was. Uh, it was a little bit of a distraction, but, you know, obviously with uh, what was going on, uh, attention had to be focused elsewhere for a little bit of the trip, but we enjoyed uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, what was uh, this experience uh, like for you? Not not uh, foreign to you. Obviously, you had to do this uh, signing in Vancouver, but just uh, this whole process and, and getting ready for July 1. Yeah, it was, it was tough, obviously. You know, uh, there was 
you know, things on the table that, you know, didn't obviously plan out. So we were, uh, weren't really, uh, too excited to go through that, uh, thing, but obviously, you know, cause you never know what's going to happen. You could, uh, you could slide one way or the other. And, um, you know, I was super grateful for, uh, the opportunity that, uh, San Jose has given me and, um, you know, obviously super thankful for the opportunity that Vancouver gave me to be in that position. Um, you know, it's obviously giving me, uh, a real crack and let me, you know, live on my, my dream of playing for uh, my hometown team and playing games and being able to contribute to that team was, uh, was something I'm going to look back on my career and uh, be super proud of. Uh, yeah. What's the first thing that stands out for you? Uh, for San Jose? Uh, I think it was just, you know, the opportunity that was there. I think, you know, uh, uh, you know, on the right side, I think they were, they were needing a guy that could kind of, you know, I could, I could fill with my role. I think, you know, they needed a guy who was, you know, going to be physical, going to be, you know, able to contribute that way. And, uh, uh, you know, like obviously that's one thing when you look at, you know, other possibilities and, um, you know, obviously the term was great too, the, you know, that they believed in me for these next three years and, um, hoping that I can, uh, uh contribute to improving their team. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. Is it easier, uh, kind of having a familiarity for a, a team when you know that it's, it's in your division, and you've seen them so often? Yeah, I think so. Obviously I think, um, you know, playing against them and knowing what kind of team they were. And, you know, it was obviously a little different when they had to sell off assets a little bit at the deadline there. And, um, you know, they had some injuries last year. But just knowing the style of hockey that they played and, like you said, being familiar with the team and being in the same division, uh, you know, obviously it was it was a little bit more helpful going there and, um, you know, having my, my eyes open about, you know, what I was going to do and the style of hockey that they played. And uh, that was also what was attractive to me. Talking to Kyle Burrows here, a newest member of the San Jose Sharks and former member of the Vancouver Canucks. So, so you mentioned, hey, like getting this opportunity here in Vancouver ends up being ninety games. Um, you know, you step in after five games in Colorado. Like, where did you see your own personal growth over these past two seasons in that in those ninety games? Well, I think you know, with opportunity comes growth, and um, you know, obviously, like you said, the sample size that I had in Colorado, and then you know, moving on in my career and. Um, playing like you said those 90 games in Vancouver I think for me it's a lot of confidence building obviously you know when when you're chipping away at it and you, you don't really get opportunities you know what to start your career you know you might doubt yourself but you know for me it was always just showing up to the rink and having fun and you know staying dedicated and believing in the dream and um you know my growth kind of came through that I think you know obviously um when you're starting out and you know you only have five six games on your belt and you know, you're in that opening line, like the first, my first game with the Canucks, you know, we were playing against Connor McDavid and you need to trust yourself and your abilities because, you know, for me that, you know, obviously that's what I did. And, um, you know, I was, I was super grateful for the opportunity to grow and, um, just become a better player from those 90 games. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the next 90 games. Not that the door ever closes or anything like that, but you've, you've spoken a, a lot about, hey, the, the opportunity to playing in Vancouver and, and what it means to you personally, and it certainly could materialize mm-hmm. down the road as well. But have you had a chance to reflect these past couple of days? Be like, wow, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that, you know, even at the end of the year, not knowing what was going to happen, that was one thing that I was trying to soak in a lot of was, was wearing that jersey. And, uh, you know, even looking back on it these last couple of days, like you said, like it was, you know, it was such a special time. That's such a special group of guys uh, uh, in that dressing room that I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be, you know, I think a lot of them will be lifelong friends with now. I think, you know, that's one thing that we're going to miss, but, um, you know, I'm excited for the opportunity down in San Jose and to 
build those kind of friendships and to, uh, you know, be a part of that organization for the next three years. What was the process uh, from the end of the season and leading up to July 1st of, uh, of, of, of trying to create the communication to stay here? Yeah, obviously, you know, we wanted to get something uh, done. There's mutual interest and um, it was pretty quiet a lot of the summer. And then obviously when it came down to it at the end, uh, things kind of just, you know, didn't work out and they kind of fell apart a bit, but, you know, that's just the way the business goes sometimes. It's one thing that you got to know in our, in our business is, you know, you can't take anything too personally or, um, you know, things, sometimes things just don't work out. And um, for me, I'm lucky enough that it worked out in, with San Jose. And uh, I'm just excited to, like I said, to be a part of that organization and um, have their trust. Uh, talking to Kyle Burrows here for another couple of minutes here, uh, San Jose Sharks D-Man. You mentioned just kind of making those friendships in the room and you're from the area, you're, you're familiar like what this team means to the community and, you you're, you can shine a light better than the fans can. When 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 fans look at this and say like, "Hey, this team can go places. This team can kind of do something." You're someone that's been in that room. Like, where do you see kind of what what the future of this team could be? I think you know with that with that group in there, and obviously you know you have you have talk coming in and um, being the leader of that uh, coaching staff when you got Footer and uh, Gonchar. And, um, you know, I think you know a lot of those 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 guys in that room are are difference makers, and I think that. Um, you know, the way that they work and, you know, when things are clicking and, you know, you got, you know, one of the best goalies in the league, uh, backstocking you back there. I don't really think you can put a, put a, put a finger on what they're, what they're capable of because they're, you know, it's, it's such a good team and they have such good pieces. So, I mean, I think for the city of Vancouver, they, they're in a good place moving forward and, um, you know, I'm excited for them. And, but, uh, I think I hope anytime that they, uh, they play San Jose that they take the, <laughs> take the day off. Uh, the, the, the coaches that, that are coming in, you mentioned the, the, their names, but also just, it, it's been a lot of change over the past two seasons here. Is, is it understated? Like how much that can impact players? Yeah, I think, you know, it's tough. I think, you know, anytime that there is change in an organization, whether that's, you know, one overhaul players or, um, management or, or coaching staff, I think, you know, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a, a holding period when, you know, things are, aren't really as worked working themselves out as they should, but. Um, you know, I think the way that, that, uh, talk came in, you know, he, he took talk, took charge and, uh, um, you know, led by example and, uh, practice what he preached. And that was one thing that a lot of the guys respected of, of how he did his business and, uh, and how he coached. I think, you know, he's, he's a guy who coaches with his heart on his sleeve and, um, you know, he, he wants guys to play with intensity and, uh, you know, that's what a lot of the guys respect about him and, um, his coaching style. Uh, Kyle, uh, actually, we, we had Yannick Hansen on the show earlier, uh, and he played in San Jose, and, and I asked him if he had any advice for you uh, moving to San Jose, <laughs> and he said, hang out by Santana Row. So I'm not familiar with the area, but when you get down there, uh, you can certainly check out that area. Yeah, I um, appreciate that. Yeah, I'll put it on the things of uh, the list of things to do uh, heading down there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, and look, Kyle, as I mentioned, there's so, so many texts coming in. Uh, please, Bick, uh, please pass along the gratitude towards Kyle from Canucks Nation. Uh, always love to see him uh, stand up for everyone and, and drop the gloves. So uh, a lot of people wishing you well. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, it means a lot to me, obviously, you know, the fans here. And, you know, I'm one of the fans now and of this organization. And, you know, I've been one since I was a kid. So I, that means a lot. And uh, I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate the time, man. Best of luck. Cheers. Thanks, guys. That is uh, Kyle Burroughs, San Jose Sharks D-man, uh, former Vancouver Canuck. Uh, and, yeah, appreciate uh, the thoughts coming in. A uh, lot more than uh, 
who we can spend time with, uh, Kyle, to read. Uh, but uh, keep coming in with the text. 650-650 into the Dunbar lum- Lumber text message inbox. Uh, there's one question, too. Stupid question, Vic. They're all stupid questions. Come on, it's me asking them. <laughs> Uh, 650-650, uh, wrapping up uh, the show here. Get your thoughts into the inbox. Uh, ben and Dom also hanging out here here on the show. So I wanted to ask you guys something. Uh, so I was watching uh, some some clips last night, uh, things popping across social media. NBA Summer League. Massive dunk last night. I, I already forgot who did it, but I just saw the clips. And I was just thinking, like, Canucks Dev Camp is going on, and we're always talking about more opportunities for the NHL to to grow the brand and try to engineer interest. Should the NHL have a summer league? I, I know we do the, the Young Stars tournament later on, but it's not, like, the league all on hand. It's regional and it's compartmentalized. But if we're looking at this right now, different ways to stay in the public stream, the public consciousness. You get the world of the NHL in Nashville for the draft. Is there an opportunity here? Should, should the NHL kind of change its schedule a bit? And should we maybe have an NHL summer league? Is that an option? It's a very interesting idea. It, it's it's out of the box. And it's and it's like this is the year where you're like, oh, this is great for a summer league. Like there's one Binyama in the NBA. Sure, yeah. There's Connor Bedard in the NHL, which is why the easy answer is like, yes, we should have it. Like I want to watch Connor yeah. Bedard play hockey. But. But, I mean, like. So the, the other the other reason I thought about this is like one thing we're gonna have it. Yeah. Now my idea would be just host it in the city that has the draft, right? Sure. Do it immediately after. You have to change the calendar, like where it's free agency. Summer start. league's always in Vegas. Always in Vegas. It's a, it's the spot, right? And look, you could do it in whoever's got the most rinks available, right? Is it in Greater Toronto area? Is it in wherever? Right. New York, whatever. Minnesota, Boston, something like that. But. The one thing that I always think about, too, is the entire NBA world is there. And what does that do for off-season conversations? What does that do to spur uh, further transactions? Where are we at right now? It's July 4th, and it just feels like, well, we're waiting till the end of arbitration season, and then maybe that kicks off this next wave of trades. Now, flat cap plays a world in this. I get it. But I just wonder if... uh, if you kept NHL people together in the same environment, in the same venues, would it also engineer further discussions? Yes. Yeah. Naturally. I think people want to talk to each other, and what are you going to talk about mm-hmm. if you're in that environment? Because if we're talking about dev camp, it's just, hey, assimilating people into your organization. Totally. It's like you can kind of do that in any spot. Now, players aren't going to come to Vancouver and see the, the beauty of the city, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if we're just talking it about ideals, it fosters conversation. It fosters relationships, and, and now everyone's hopefully you know tuning in to see hey Bedard versus Fantilli. Right. You don't have to wait on right. the schedule. I don't even know when Chicago plays Columbus. I haven't looked at that schedule. Uh, as Dom reaches to his laptop, start looking that up. I think, but there's, there's a uh, a text in about how hockey players have long enough seasons. Sure, basketball totally. players have nights off, which is like. Ridiculous. But again, I, I don't need to I mean, see three periods. But could we do? Little three on three tournament, fifteen minute, yeah, fifteen minute halves. So change I w- it up a bit. I just- would stray away from the five on five stuff because yeah, like we're not talking unlike basketball. Like ho- basketball is a contact sport. I mm-hmm. won't go to the mats for that. It's one. just not contact it's not, like it's not hockey. hockey. Yeah, like you risk injury. And like, yeah. what if Connor Bedard gets injured playing three on like five on five in summer? Sure, great. 
right? Like Terrible Chet, outcome. Hey, Chet Holmgren broke yeah. his foot yeah. last year in the Pro-Am in Seattle for Oklahoma City's number mm-hmm. one pick. Oh, for the season. If that happened to a hockey player, mm-hmm. well, then it would poo-poo the idea to use the texter's terms. Uh, yeah, that is coming into the inbox, 650, 650. It, it, just another way, you know, especially in this past 10 days here, the NHL jammed a lot into 10 days. Like, we didn't even really have time to unpack the NHL awards, which were controversial in their own right because it wasn't unanimous for Connor McDavid. It, it all just got crazy, swept up into one big blur. And don't get me wrong, that 10-day span is a fun 10-day span. I want to sit down that person and be like, what do you think? But here's the thing. It's like, yeah, I, I, I feel like we didn't even have enough time to hear the, the argument because I, I want to hear the argument of why. What is the argument? Yeah, but... We, we we invite different perspectives and we want to hear different opinions and so let's like this is how you move the public discourse mm-hmm. actually like what was the thought behind that let's it, it all just got glossed over because it went right into round one right into day two straight into free agency schedule release was thrown in there you know we spent some time uh talking about the schedule release but it was it was compressed amongst the rest of the nhl schedule is there a chance to maybe just extend this and say Hey, this is a cool opportunity. Now, again, as I mentioned, you have to like move the calendar around. But you know what? The NHL should start earlier. The NHL shouldn't start in the second week of October. It should start in like the last week of September. Get out of playing the finals in mid June. In mid June, mid to late June. Yeah, it, it, it should like the finals should, at, at its latest, like June second. It should be over if it goes to Game Seven. Right. You start doing that now. You can have. Uh, the draft a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. You can have free agency still July one because that's always fun to to do all the free you agency. Still give the players the same amount of rest. They're getting the rest. Everything kind of works out. Yeah, just just shift it all. And I, I know this is a big thing for Dom. It's like you're just in the public sphere more often. Well, that's, you, you, that's you, what you, hockey needs, though. Mm-hmm. Like hockey needs that. It needs to grow. And by having these players on display, it would only grow. Grow hopefully. I'm just not sure there's a market for it. Uh, 650, 650, this one. Plus, we got the Beauty League. That's true. That's true. A, a mini summer league. Look, the, you can get hurt playing that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the most intense. And look, I'm not talking like players, prospects acting like it's game seven or something like that. But kids are going to do, I don't know, though, right? Like, that's where it gets difficult is these, these kids come into these teams and want to make an impression. Sure. They're fighting for... Their jobs to make the big club to at least play in the A, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So they're gonna go play like it's game seven. Th- three games. That's all I'm saying. Three 30 minute games, 15 minutes, three on three. But they're gonna go so hard then for those 30 minutes. It'll be entertaining. Well, there you go, entertaining. It'll be I, tough though. Like what, the, the first time an injury happens. Right. It's like who came up with this idea? Right. Vantilli and Bedard go into the boards together. Oh, and there's a yeah. It's yeah. It's always going to be a, Risky. A, a dangerous proposition. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, the Pro Bowl in football. It's like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Although, hey, man, a post-draft uh, skirmish, a post-draft game, everyone get out there. Well, they even w- wouldn't be able to field lineups. No. Because in dev camp, there's a, a handful of people that can come out there and do it. Uh, this one, Colin from the Caribou. Bick is just trolling the inbox at the end of the show for his summer hockey idea. No, no, this is a real idea. It, it, it's 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 all about creating more content for the league. So it's not all about that. 
also creating content for for us. Sure. <laughs> In July. And Absolutely. August. But it, it, it's true though, because like the the context of what summer camp is is a little bit different than it is a, a, a glorified tournament. Right. That'd be the thing. Would you want all of the teams, like every yeah. team to be in it? Yeah. You're guaranteed three games. Yeah. Just game streaming all the time. It'd be fun. But I think you'd have to choose the city carefully. I don't think it could be the draft city. Because... Well, for logistics, it might be easiest, is, is why I Maybe. mentioned the draft city. Maybe. Uh, this one. Uh... Like, would you go watch the games? I mean, you would. I would. Yeah, but if, pe- if it was hosted in Vancouver, if, if it's hosted in Vancouver, yeah. are people, te- texters, listeners, are you going to watch? If if the league's prospects, the development camp team that yeah. we have at UBC right now yeah. in Vancouver, if they're on the ice playing games, are you buying tickets to go watch against other development teams in and, exhibition play? And tickets are probably going to be like max ten bucks in in my world yeah. here. I don't know who, who are people paying like forty five bucks to it's go. Not watch? ten. <laughs> it's not ten. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, this one, uh, the NHL should start on Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, make it a spectacle with rivalries, triple headers, becomes a tradition to eat turkey and watch a uh, family with family. So, or watch hockey with family. Uh, and this one, uh, the reason to end hockey season earlier is exactly why a summer league shouldn't happen. Hockey doesn't belong in the summer. But, but, re- but this I, isn't like competitive I about, games. But I was about to read that text out. Is you know, is hockey does hockey not belong in the summer? We had the bubble mm-hmm. where the playoffs was yeah. literally played but, in the but, middle of summer. But we're also talking like interest level was at its lowest. Like the the T V ratings for the bubble. Even though we all sat here like yeah. we're starving for sports. Right. We can't go outside. Something. And then it, it showed up and like the ratings were not as great as they've been. Because it's summer. It's summer. People are out. People are doing things, especially in a city like Vancouver, which is my point. It's like, it's beautiful outside. Mm-hmm. Are people taking time out of their day? So I'm telling you, 10 bucks. 10 bucks. Go watch some three-on-three hockey. I don't know if the man upstairs is going to like $10 <laughs> tickets. Someone's sitting there like, really? This is all we're getting? This is all we're getting? Uh, 650, 650, uh, Andrew and Victoria. Just go for an 64-game uh, season. Uh, I prefer better hockey than tired out players and injured hockey uh, to market oversaturation. Well, be prepared for an 84-game season. I'm sure that's uh, coming down the pipe pretty soon. They're not going to lose 18 games of revenue. I'll yeah. tell you that much. That, that, that's that's not going to be a thing that happens. Nope. It might go the other way. Owners aren't going to be like, you know what? I need better performances for less money. That's, that's not going to be a thing that happens. Yeah. I mean, I always hear the argument against load management like let's just do less games these guys don't have to load manage and i'm like no that's just not gonna just not gonna be a thing we're just gonna see more and more uh 650 uh this one uh a, a lot of people say that they would go buy tickets coming to the inbox arden vancouver brad and cloverdale more and more uh keep coming in uh absence makes the heart grow fonder give them a break go follow baseball golf or go hiking respect well, don't go hiking. I don't know. Go play golf. <laughs> yeah, go play golf. Hiking's a bit. I've said that before. Yeah. I, I, I don't get it. All these people posting pictures online. It's like, oh, you I can love hike this hike. while golfing, kind of. So You're just, yeah, there you go. That's exercise. In Vancouver. That's exercise. That's a mountain. I, I, I'm convinced there. there's like a hiking cult. That that and runner's high. Yeah, I've, I've yet to experience you, that you, one. You're all lying. There's no runner's high. 
Hiking ain't cool. No thanks. Hiking is free. That's why everyone likes doing it. <laughs> All right. I'll leave you with that one <laughs> on the other side. Uh, Dan Riccio, Satya Shah are on the way. Uh, what's coming up on their show today? Do they have uh, Carson Susie? Yes. I Guns think. and Roses. And, and oh, yeah, our boys, Guns and Roses. Earth on Jafar, I believe. That sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, Earth and Carson Susi coming up on Canuck Central. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah on the way here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.